Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. Welcome to the podcast. We have a veteran of many years and many talents, Rick Eislaben, who's traveled and shot and directed all over the world. Welcome to the podcast, Rick. I wanted to pick up, Rick, that at the time you were directing in the 70s and the Jesus movement was happening, Calvary Chapel, uh, contemporary Christian music didn't really exist. It was new. There were people getting baptized in the Pacific Ocean that had just come off of, you know, being surfers or hippies or whatever it might be. And there were some great um, second chapter of Acts and Love Song, Isaac Air Freight, all of these different groups. It, it, there was an expectation at that time, very much with the pastoring of Pastor Chuck Smith, that Jesus could come back at any moment. And I, I remember as being in my early 20s, late teens, that was an exciting time. And that must have been an exciting time for you as well to be working in production with, uh, with Chuck Smith and, and all of these, these great uh, early Jesus Maranatha music groups that were uh, coming in at that time. It indeed was. It was... Uh... <laughs> One of, the, one of the happiest times of my life, Craig, that you pointed out, that was such excitement, such energy, uh, such a level of enthusiasm around the church and around Maranatha music. When, when guys who had come out with uh, albums uh, from groups that were very successful, very well known at the time, uh, Skip Conte and uh, from Three Dog Night and Danny Carell, uh, these guys were, were big, big pop artists. And mixing them in with, uh, with I guess I call them local, uh, Odin Fong uh, and others that were young and creative. And we had all sorts of music. We had country Western feeling music. We had somebody with a quiet guitar who was doing folk song kind of music. And then we had groups that were, were power groups playing harder rock and roll. And all of us joined together heart-wise, the production people, the congregation, and the, and the artists it was uh, innervating to all of us. And since you mentioned being baptized, yes, I was one of those that also was baptized at Pirate's Cove out there in Corona Del Mar. Uh, and what a joyous time to be on that beach and watch people being changed by dipping in the water, being dead and coming out a new creature. Totally exciting time. You've really, really hit the nail right on the head, Greg. Excellent. I, I think back to those times and uh, have a big smile on, on my face. I was down in San Diego where uh, my dad pastored a church and we could see the Jesus movement there as well. For our audience, um, I'll make it real quick that Rick has worked, obviously, you talked about Calvary Chapel, but Trinity Broadcasting, Morris Cirillo, INSP Network. He was the last director at Crystal Cathedral before it got sold uh, and moved. Uh, Mariner's Church, Cottonwood Church. Uh, I could probably go on and on and on. Let's make a, a change here, though, because there is so much, you know, when Rick and I were coming up, there really wasn't much church media 
at all. Churches mostly did not have cameras in the sanctuary unless the pastor had a vision for taking the message, like we talked about with Rex Humbard, out beyond the four walls via television, via media. But church media has really changed in the last 20 years. Let me ask you this, which will, which will be a, a progression to how do you shoot uh, you know, church media? How do you cover uh, concerts and speaking and such? What have you seen in the last, let's say, couple of decades that uh, the progression of church media with multiple cameras in churches? What, what's your viewpoint? What, what, you know, what, what's your take on that? You, you must have seen incredible growth and incredible changes, yeah? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and not just in church media, but also in the whole business of television, other than epicenters like New York and Chicago and Los Angeles that had big multi-camera studios, most of the country, even secular stations, just had two cameras. They'll do a studio with just two cameras in it. And of course, that's where I learned at WTTV in Indianapolis, too. When I came to California, as I mentioned, KHOF, we only had two cameras there. And it's amazing how creative you had to be as a director when you only have two cameras and you have a whole group of people to, to shoot during an interview program or a music number. It stretched us, I think. Uh, uh, but, but we were able to grow from that because um, it wasn't about the technical ability of the cameras to do. It was about the message, the people in front of the camera, and the people behind the camera. We were excited about making media. And not only in, in the commercial world and the Christian television world, but in churches too. And that spirit we had from the more professional area, I think quickly went into the churches. And so they caught on real quick. Many of them, the, some of the, the leaders of the group, decided, well, let's don't install our own equipment. Let's go out and rent a truck, which had multiple cameras on it, brought a switcher and recording machines, and have them come in and do the Sunday morning service. That was one of the transitions that I made. In addition to doing projects for these international ministries, which didn't usually involve a weekend, I would attach myself to a church, Calvary Chapel, when I could. Um, I also got involved with another church, a Seventh-day Adventist church uh, in Arcadia with an Australian pastor named John, John Carter. He brought in a truck, which happened to be the same truck that I had used several times for uh, Fred and Willie Jordan's mission program, which they did for TBN. It's all one big circle. And uh, I was one of the people that came with him and started running camera on his program and ended up being the director of the program for eight years. That was a very clever way to get his feet wet in it and do a high quality production. From there, of course, he purged his own cameras, set up his own control room, his own editing suite, and started producing his own shows. Another man with vision, which God brought into my life in order to enhance what I was doing and, and hopefully increase the exposure to a different group of people. My experience in talking to so many pastors and ministries is they focus too often on the cameras and the gear rather than the creativity in front of the camera. And if ever there's a time to be creative, it's now. 
we should have always been creative and, and now we really must be creative. I think what you just said there is smart for pastors and ministries not to put all the money into the gear, but to rent it for a while and see what kind of programming and storytelling they want to do. Can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, why are we so gear focused, I think, uh, in some of our churches? Do we think we have to have, the, if we, we can't do a show without a camera, well, then why do we have to buy it? That's what I'm getting at. You're, you're right, Craig. That seems to be the prevalent atmosphere, uh, attitude of some of the churches. Uh, they really do go overboard, too, and purchase things that really aren't necessary at the time for what they're doing, uh, spending a lot of money doing it, and <laughs> unfortunately not caring about the people behind the cameras, the creative people that are doing things. Uh, I, it should sort of be the other way around. Um, I think my part in, if we want to get back to that, was when I was involved with some of those churches at the time and other ministries, um, I took things out of that attitude. If, if the pastor was used to just having a camera set up in his uh, study and record a couple of wraparounds, I would come in and say, let's don't do it here. Let's go go to the garden area here, or let's go over to a little park nearby, or or down to the harbor, or something that attached itself to the sermon. Let's visualize a little bit instead of it making easy for them or uh, uninteresting to the viewer. Let's communicate visually. It'll take a little bit more effort and a little bit more experience, but I think getting a, a, a the message across requires each one of us technical people, media people, to reach in and find the best way of doing it. You know, getting back to <laughs> Jesus was the best. He expects 100% from each one of us. So we shouldn't just slide right on through this saying, it's okay, we did it that way last week. We could do it this way again next week. There ought to be new ways to do it, better ways to do it and hopefully more interesting visual ways to communicate this gospel message to the audience out there, to the viewers. Excellent. Good advice. We have uh, a number of people that would be listening that are directing the Sunday morning service and live streaming. Oh my goodness, in the last few years, live streaming has just exploded as to how to take uh, Sunday morning service live to uh, other parts of the world. And also you can keep replaying it at six. I, I love Greg Laurie at Harvest Church and uh, where Rebecca and I live, we will watch Greg Laurie at 6 a.m. with a cup of coffee and have our church service uh, right then before we run our small hotel. And he'll play uh, services and the live ones will come in as well all the way through until six o'clock at night. So it really is convenient you can pick the time that you want to have church service if you're not there in person. I think that is just absolutely brilliant in the kind of thing that uh, takes the message uh, to people at a time that they want to participate in that message and event. Um, my question, a long story short, is let's say that you are a person that is directing or a camera in a church service on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. How can you keep it fresh with only one or two cameras? How, how do you do that? Hmm. That would be a challenge. It is indeed. You know what I'll tell myself, and I mention it to others too, is every time you sit down at a camera or stand up behind a camera or grab a jib 
or pick up that camera and put it on your shoulder. At the beginning of a service, you ought to say, what new angle can I do? What new shot can I get? How can I retailer what I see in a new and exciting way? If I could just get one new shot, one new angle, one new approach per show, per service, then you've done something. You could integrate that into your portfolio and then others may catch on and do it too. I always, as a director, have encouraged my crews ahead of time through meetings and preparation to participate in the service, not just be a part of the camera, someone who's functioning with Zoom and focus. I want you to be a, somebody who is part of the team that is capturing the, the gospel message, putting it on the internet, making it available for recordings. Uh, and together, there should always be a flow and a spirit of creativity amongst all of us. No one people, no one person, the director or the producer, or even the, the talent out in front leads the whole way. We support together as a team, just like the disciples, the 12 disciples, they each had their role when Jesus was alive, and then each had their ministry after it. None of them just did a job. They grabbed the exciting message that had been given to them, and they spread it according to their ability. And I'm sure they did follow the example of Jesus they got an exciting team behind them, and each one fed off of each other. And that's why the Christian church took over the world in 300 AD. It was the, the religion of Rome, the most powerful country on the world at that time, because the spirit of growing, creating, and working together. You know, when you talk about teamwork, that's so important. Um, what was the Quincy Jones? was doing We Are the World back in the day with Michael Jackson and all that for the Ethiopia famine in 1985. He had a big sign out in front of the studio door. They're all going to come in, all these famous, famous people to sing this song. And he had a sign out front that said, leave your ego at the door. And I thought that that is so smart for that. And they came together for an incredible song that raised millions of dollars for relief. Okay, so it should be the same for a ministry and it should have been the same for the disciples. They learned it the hard way. Leave your <laughs> ego, leave your ego at the door and bring your heart and your head, bring both of them and, and, uh, and bring them to the broadcast, bring them to the live stream. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a big uh, cheerleader for more media training, more media training for churches, because a lot of times the, cameras have been purchased the audio gears all that all there uh, but you have volunteers behind cameras and as a direct oh there's, there's a good question how do you work with rick uh, a camera team that doesn't have a lot of experience how do, how do you how does that work for you what's your approach what what can someone learn from your approach on that well great great question craig um I am actually in that current situation. I have been before. Uh, you mentioned Mariner's Church. They have all volunteer camera people there. 
and I'm currently directing out at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, and they have all volunteer camera people except for the guy who runs the 40-foot jib, and we're thankful he's a professional. <laughs> that could be dangerous. But the way I approach it, first of all, is, um, for example, when I was at Cottonwood, I ran training sessions for the volunteers on physically just how to handle the camera, what they could do with it, how could they could adjust the cameras to fit uh, their particular comfort level. Um, knowing about the equipment would be the very, very first step. Each one of them should train in what they could do with that camera and virtually get in a, um, a symbiotic relationship with the equipment. So they're very, very comfortable out there. Also, you could train them at the same time as to the command structure, what the director is expecting of them, what their shot assignments are in a given situation, um, what to do in case of anything very unusual happening, so that they are, again, psychologically comfortable with the situation and they don't get thrown and panicked and, and cause even more problems. Particularly important when you're in a two-camera situation or a three-camera situation, everybody has to know how to do it. So step one is training. And you have done such a great job with that around the world, Craig. My goodness, I am so pleased when I hear about you going on to another, another trip because I know so many people are gonna be blessed by your experience, because you have just about been everywhere, my friend. How many countries actually have you been in, Craig? In uh, September, no, no, in October, it'll be 152. 152, there aren't many you haven't been in. Either shot or taught in 108. That's, that's professional assignments in 108. I would have been happy with 20. But that's what happened. Yeah. That's what happens when you give your dreams to the Lord and he directs your steps. And there uh, you. yeah, mm -hmm. there are so many, I will tell you this. I don't want to digress too much because you're the, you're the guest today. Um, I find that there is such a need overseas. 95%, 98% of the people that I teach in seminars and conferences have never had one course in media. I never have had one course in how to run a camera. Some of them, uh, let's say there's 50 people in a room. There'll be a few that are really sharp, but there are a lot that will be beginners. And so my great challenge is how do I keep all of them happy over a two or three day period? It's hard because the person mm -hmm. who's advanced really wants to go to the next level. And the beginner is just starting at square one. Uh, and mm -hmm. I'll say that to everyone. I can't keep you all happy. So for you advanced people, I'm going to give you some beginning things, but we all have to remind, be reminded of the basics always, even a soccer player, football player, mm -hmm. basketball player, they'll go back to the basics just right. to get that um, ingrained. Even if they're LeBron James or they're Lionel Messi or Ronaldo, they still work on the fundamentals. And I'll say to the beginners, I'm going to talk about some things that are very advanced. You may not understand what they are. Go ahead and ask if I can explain it in a way for you to understand, great. But there'll be a day when you understand some of these advanced techniques as well. The, I could be gone every single day of the year doing a seminar and I would wow. not even begin to soak up the amount of um, expectations and possibilities of churches and ministries in 200 and some countries that need someone to come and show them how to do it. 
So that's where I'm coming from. Learning a lot from broadcast veteran media creative Rick Eislaben. Join us in the next episode. We'll pick up where we left off. Learn some more. Thanks. You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org. Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing.